This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart. And as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback. And I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros. Today on the show, Kristen Kish. Oh, my God. This person is so awesome. She has a new show out that's called Restaurants at the End of the World um, that's on Disney Plus, which some screeners for it. And I am going to watch all of it because it is it's fucking awesome. She also is a chef. She's got a cookbook that's called Kristen Kish Cooking. Easy to remember because of her name. Um, but yeah, just like loved this conversation, love this person. And she has such warmth um, that exudes on the show. I don't usually like get fucking jazzed about a show unless I like really think it's fucking good, you know. So anyway, you should watch this. She's great. Let's rock, watch it so she can get more seasons. Okay. Enjoy the episode. I've been feeling wrong, but I'm still holding on. Darling, I know, I know, I know it's careless. Um, hi. Let's just like hop directly in. Let's do it. I, I uh, by like, the way, I, uh-huh. I have to say before we start, yes. I went down a deep dive of like your, the clip, your morning clips with oh. your coffees that you do. Yeah. I fucking love them. Really? Yes. Do, do Jordan, keep this in. <laughs> Don't, Jordan, listen to me. This is already part of it, okay? We're already going. That was part of it. Is that fine with you, Kristen? Uh, on the re- <laughs> it was totally on the record, yes. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Mark it down. Uh, yeah, thank you. I've been... Uh, you know what's so funny is the number of people that have, like, recognize me in public like from that i just i just feel like instagram is one of those things for me anyway maybe it's like an age thing where i'm just like this doesn't go anywhere like i'm like i know that there are views but it doesn't in my mind translate to people i'm just like right this is just the i'm just talking into the void so it yes. is funny to have any reaction to that at all it's my it was my favorite truly yeah, my favorite yeah like, i was like they, oh they, we're like having a little morning coffee yeah, chat i like, like it did really well some of them did really really well um it's funny so anyway hi uh i always have guests introduce themselves would you introduce yourself sure uh my name is Kristen kish i am um a lot of things but let's just say chef to be the easiest title. yeah yeah yeah. oh i can't wait to find out the other things that you are i just uh i got screeners mm-hmm four episodes for your show and um your show which is called restaurants at the edge of the world is that the did i nail end, all the end, end, end i knew end, it end. Was, it's like which one okay <laughs> um and where can people watch it which uh, are not me that are watching it on my laptop <laughs> it'll be streaming on disney plus and then also on national geographic yeah i've heard of disney plus um yeah. and national geographic the show is so great it's so fun I'm so happy for you. That's how I felt when I was watching it. I was like, ah, oh, I feel so happy for this person. <laughs> you seem like you're having a genuinely good time. You seem like uh, somebody who's pretty open and, mm-hmm. um, you know, just seems you did wear a full mosquito suit that covered okay. your entire head. That's <laughs> worth circling back to. But actually, I could tell you of the four episodes, I could tell you my favorite one was the one that's like in a Nordic country yes. uh, way up top. Yeah, Finland is it in Finland? Uh, close, uh, off the coast of Norway, between yeah. Nor- mainland Norway and the North Pole. So it's Dude. seventy-eight degrees north. Is incredible. Like, yeah, it was pretty spectacular. That's like a once in a lifetime thing that I would have never taken myself there on my own. So thankfully, you know, thanks yeah. Nat Geo for sending me. For sure. I mean, it's um, that's just a if if I was going to recommend for anybody to start anywhere, um, that's like. That episode was, I loved all of them, but that one was just like, mm-hmm. um, it was really well, fun to watch you, to watch the chef there, to like see the environment really beautiful. Well, I think the thing about that episode for me, if there's anything that defines restaurants at the end of the world, that, that, that was, that was literally it. Mm-hmm. It was exactly at the end of the world. Yeah. As tell far me as we could that. go. Yeah. Tell me, tell me about like how you got there. Uh, what's going on, you know, for anybody that didn't listen, like what's going on, th- like what is the place? And then yeah. what's going on there with the chef? Because I just thought that was so interesting. So the, where do I even start? So 78 degrees north. Um, so to get there, I flew from 
I, I'm pretty sure it was, I, I flew from New York to um, uh, Oslo. Sure. Mm-hmm, I think. Uh-huh. Spent the night in Oslo. Got another flight to Tomzo. I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing that right. Um, someone will tell me, I'm sure if I'm not. Uh, and then from there, I got on uh, another little flight. And then I was going to say, was it like a float a plane? What kind of what kind of size plane did you end up taking? These were all normal planes, so regular standard planes. Obviously, the ones like it, you know, inter domestically, I guess, compared like in Norway itself, yeah, were yeah, yeah. the smaller ones. Um, but then it was there's shockingly amount of a lot of people going to these places. Just like mm, this is that's odd. what surprised me because yeah. it's like how? What do you mean this restaurant Why? can exist? What like literally? <laughs> what are you talking about? I think it's just the, the 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 people, the type of people that I'm just not used to having around in my life. Meaning, adventurous, outdoorsy, super athletic, like can do this kind of stuff and trek through the Arctic. Those are the people that are going, and there are a mm. lot of those. There are a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> right. So and then- so the re- the restaurant is called Isfer Radio, and it was an old uh, radio station. Uh, and there's this base camp, so it's basically a place for. The inside is not like a hotel. We're not in like a room like I'm in right now. We're in um, like a double-decker dorm room style living situation, shared bathrooms. There's only like eight rooms or something. And it's a it's a stop-off point as people trek through the Arctic. And there and happens the f- to be great food. Food there mm-hmm. is like locally sourced madness. Yes. And also like some stuff that is super frozen because it's just like there's no there's no there's no there's nothing there (laughs) there's no there's no like things there to eat one might say except that's not what's going on because when you i mean we were there in the summer in the middle of july i believe and it was freezing so it was like 30 degrees still fahrenheit and all the food coming in is coming from the mainland or they're or they're hunting on svalbard itself and so by the time food even comes, fresh fruits and vegetables from the, the mainland, it takes three, four days. And by the time it gets to you, it's frozen because it just trekked through the, the a freezer <laughs> department. <laughs> so you're dealing with this chef that needs to preserve everything out of complete necessity, um, not just because like he's a trendy restaurant trying to preserve kimchi, you know, um, he actually has to figure out how to use these ingredients and use them in a timely manner or extend the life for at least a year to get through the season. Yeah, it's like, crazy. That guy seemed awesome. Yeah, he was phenomenal. Absolutely. Oh, I got to tell you something about that Norway episode, though, because, you know, y- y- you know how television works. Um, I, no, it's, it's no? 100% real, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes. Everything's fair, left yes. in. It's not edited. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The thing about, so in a lot of cases, if it takes me hours to get somewhere, like, you know, I, I start the journey and then we pick it up when I get to the top of the hill kind of thing you know like no sure. one has time to film me for four hours out of breath no i think i think they should show that real time just you, think- just a slow walk <laughs> and it's a steady cam it's just following you the whole time and each episode is is really long <laughs> is that it Days. yes Days, <laughs> yes <laughs> but there's this one because we couldn't take snowmobiles there was no snow on the ground so we couldn't actual actually take motorized vehicles across the tundra and yes. so to get to the lake to, to yes. where the fish was I, my, my commute to work that day was a five mile hike across the tundra. That's like semi-frozen that you're like sinking into legitimate, no joke. We're not even filming this. And then we start filming after my five miles and I get to the location. It's whipping rain and wind and cold. And they're like, all right, day's just starting now. And I was like, you gotta go. Here's Here's some questions I have about this. Number one, five miles, one direction, five miles, two directions. It felt like two directions, but I could be exaggerating that okay. for the sake of my own. But that's what it felt like to me. Okay, it was okay. either six. I think it was five or six, maybe round trip. Okay. I don't know. All right. It was a long ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have com- total compassion. Here's yeah. the follow-up question. <laughs> Who is doing your fucking makeup? Oh, no. Did someone have to trek six miles to do your makeup? Oh, there's no makeup. There's no makeup. What are you Thanks talking for- about? This is, I had some, these are some of the questions I've been like. Who is doing Kristen's hair and makeup? Like, how is that happening at the end of the world? I'm doing it myself. Wow, congratulations. You're yeah, great. thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Um, small budget. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I, I did it myself. And the majority of time, I did not. I just did not wear makeup. That's and how I you always look? Want, congratulations. I, That's <laughs> your face? That's what your face looks like? 
That's amazing. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I worked really hard at it. Um, yes, yeah. yeah, that's my face. The only makeup yeah. I wear is um, a little eye stuff just to like, you know. I saw your you eye know, stuff. That's eye. why I was yeah. wondering. I do that myself. But like okay, the other stuff, it. you know, I just hope for a tan and a good day. That's it. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, I was curious because of the eye stuff. Um, yeah. <laughs> also, you know what else I saw on that show that I really haven't seen very many places like, you know, which is, a, I think, a great thing to talk about on this podcast is uh, you wore like a backwards hat a ton. Mm-hmm. um on television uh-huh. which i don't think for people that were born with like the bodies we were born with like i guess maybe like i'm imagining like some dude on like road rules or whatever wearing like a backwards hat <laughs> you know or like what that's called something else now but it still is on tv um, yes <clears throat> it's called the challenge or something like that uh-huh i have i knew somebody who worked on that but anyway um yeah it's it's, it's, so, it's, I was like watching that, like, this is so queer. Like, it's yeah. just like inherently queer. It's not even being commented on. It's a backwards <laughs> so, hat in the television. <laughs> and flat brim. And yeah, yeah, flat brim. Flat, uh, yeah, black. <laughs> Snap back. Yeah. No, not a lo- no logos black. For, I mean, I understand maybe the logos couldn't exist. That's but, not true. It's Disney. You could yeah. totally have gotten like an R2D2 hat. Or like, yes. Yeah, very like a goofy with the ears Beauty, coming down. Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it'll yeah, be beautiful. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I'll have a moment. Um, the thing about the hat was, so when we first started, I live in a hat 95% of my life. Um, I just don't want to do my hair. This takes effort. I've seen your hair. It just, you need time, right? Yes. Well, I mean, yours looks fabulous. Even just like I gotta be honest. I, my hair, you gotta, if you, for me, for my hair texture, if I just do cut and, uh, product, I can pop my hat off and it looks kind of like this, which is like, kind of how i style it so i'm it looks uh, good it you're looks lucky good. that's your hair I, I have like that's your face and now you have like that's your hair yeah <laughs> your hair is just perfect <laughs> um, yeah and so you know i i wear it and i i was like i will do this entire show in a the same white t-shirt and jeans and timberland boots and my hat every single episode i will show up just the same and production's like mm, that's not gonna work for us they gave you some like, wardrobe yeah yeah a whole wardrobe stylist yeah um and I was like, okay, well, what about the hat? Like, I just, I saves me so much time in the morning and I will be a happier person. Um, and they're like, well, we have to limit the hat wearing, which I totally understand. They're like, you have great hair. You know, they try to like get me with compliments. Um, and I was like, fine. So the hat was, it was a calculated time in the shows, but they were like, you know, we're not going to stop you from wearing your hat, but we'd appreciate it if you didn't. And that's my computer. I'm an asshole. Um, I can't even hear it. You're oh, fine. thank, thank somebody. God. Well, I mean, you're being recorded on your end, so. Oh my God! Why are my emails coming through? This is ridiculous. Okay. Oh my God! I just got real popular all of a sudden. Mm. Yeah. Um, answer them. No, don't. Do that. <laughs> no. Um. Anyways, so the hat was very. It was not a point of contention, but it certainly like I would wear it 100 percent of the time, and then for them, I'd wear it five percent. Maybe of the, the time. word is compromise. Com. Yes. There was a um, slight compromise. But I will say, unusual, for sure. Like, I mm-hmm. feel like, uh, yeah, because there's, like, scripted television, which are, you know, like, the dramas and comedies that yeah. folks are used to watching, just for anybody who's listening doesn't know what I'm talking about. Um, and on that, it very rarely would somebody put you in a hat because they're doing, like, your whole hair, mm-hmm. makeup, and wardrobe. That's, like, part of it. So, whatever. Um, and then in unscripted, it's just like, maybe just by like the proportion of lesbians, queer people, <laughs> like, it's like, you just haven't gotten on TV yes. enough. And then anyway, I, I was like really affected by seeing you look like that. So it was really cool. I mean, I'm glad you fought for it. And, um, I and mean, and I have to, to show say, your real like, it's cool. my, our, our production company is world of wonder. They're the creators of, them, yeah. of drag. <laughs> no, they're drag. so great. They're so nice. There's such so, was such wonderful uh, people. Yes. And so, I mean, with that already as like the people being like, yeah, just you do you, you be you, like no one wants to stop you from that. Um, But we're also looking out for you. So, you know, when you watch yourself on television, you're not constantly be called like called a boy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 95% of the time. Okay. Hang on. I want to talk about that for a second. First, I also want to say world of wonder made drag race just for anybody that's listening. Cause it's like, I think we're talking about some stuff that's like some deep cuts and that's, and I love that we'll stay there, but I'll just give the context. Um, Wait, what do you, to, to go back to the boy, go back to the Oh, I mean, 
how many times have I I've been called a boy publicly in a fucking air, airport bathrooms are my worst nightmare. I um, I take my hood off because I always like go comfy. I take my hood off. I judge up my hair and out of my own sake of just trying to protect any form of embarrassment that happens. I do a little, I throw a little hip swing in there when I walk <sighs> in the bathroom because wow. the amount of times I walk in and it's like, <clears throat> or someone looks at me and they're like, yeah. Uh, are you in the wrong? And I was like, it just happened coming to LA. I walked in and a woman yeah. goes, oh my God, am I in the wrong bathroom? And I said, no, ma'am, you're not. And then the lady behind her was like, just shaking her head being like, are you serious? Mm. And it's just, I'm like, what do you want? I don't know what to do. I don't have long hair and I, I look like a piece of spaghetti, my body shape. But like, what's <laughs> <was> gonna... <laughs> but- <laughs> Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Can I ask you this question? How yeah. tall are you? Five nine. Yeah, 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 totally. And then your body type and everything. Because because one thing that is, I certainly get surd mm. a lot. And then I also think now, and also I've like had this, for me at the airport, it's actually, I've had experiences in the, um, I don't even usually use this because I have like TSA pre partially yeah, for yeah. this reason, but like the magnetometer, which is the thing that you go yes. through if you don't have TSA pre, it, yep registers it like they have to push man or woman I yes. like on the the tsa person before you go in has to push man or woman and i've gone through multiple times wearing men's pants mm-hmm. and so there's like material in the crotch that they're not expecting it's that this is like that fucking detailed yeah. so then they have to like touch your crotch mm-hmm. because they're not sure if you're like hoarding something or carrying something on but it's just like the buttons that are on my men's crotch <laughs> like <What? laughs> and um anyway this is why this is why i was this is why besides how much i um travel also like the it's a great reason to have tsa pre because you just yes. walk through the metal detector yep. as opposed to the crotch awareness machine that yep. is kind of, uh pretty traumatizing yes. to be constantly crotch touched and even um, if like i highly rec- i started doing clear um, out of just efficiency, uh, uh-huh. but even there, you don't even have to show your ID. You just bang your eyes, and I'm like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, the yeah. government has all my sure, DNA, yeah, anyways. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do I care? And yeah. I'm like, I can avoid all of it. Just yeah. like I don't want to. It's it gives me a, it brings a lot of anxiety into my life. I understand. Um, and it's just it's too much. I'm like, so it's obnoxious. It's just yeah, some, yeah, like yeah. that. It's you tough. can't wear the pants you want to wear, yeah. and wearing a hoodie and sneakers gets me cold, sir. Yeah, I get it. And I mean, that's why I was saying the thing about like, I was asking you about your height. And then because the thing I will say is that I am small. I'm like, I'm five, four. Mm -hmm. And I also have like, large breasts. I just Mm -hmm. do. And uh, if I I think that it affects, like, I would maybe be more likely to be called a slur than than sir, although I'm also frequently sir, because I do think that the like height boobs thing I think people have a different thing of what's going sure. on. So it's not that I've never surprised somebody in a bathroom. I certainly have had that happen. But I think oftentimes people are just like, oh, mm. a dyke. You know, like mm-hmm. that's like the vibe. Um, yeah. And it's uh, that's a whole experience as well. Yeah. Um, it's a lot, I, tr- I try to say something before someone can address me, like when, uh, even sitting in the, in the seat, right? My hood's up, everything, like headphones yeah. on, things are going. And, you know, they come around, they're like, Sir or ma'am, can I get you a, sir, a yeah. drink? And before I even totally say anything, sir or ma'am, that's so funny. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean when they're like, or uh, they just look at me. you waiting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, no, 
no like no honorific at all just like esposito (laughs) just like the sheer panic that someone else is having i'm like what happened to calling people just the first names that you see yeah 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 yeah. what like what what happened to that that time but i try to stay ahead of it and it's just it's not a relaxed experience i'm like i i I try to beat them to it and then it makes me feel rude because i'm like cutting them off they can't do their whole spiel of here we have coke products what would you like to eat that kind of thing um but yeah i mean it is what it is. I've gotten so used to it, but I heard, um, I forget who I heard say it. It's that I don't, I don't blame someone for thinking that I might look like a man or whatever, because especially airports, it's a little bit confusing. Sure. I understand it with what people are used to seeing, um, whatever, but it's the fact that, God, who was it? It's going to come to me and I'll, I'll give credit where credit is due. Someone said, um, I, it's embarrassing, not because I don't think that they're right or, you know, I don't, you don't blame these people, but it's because you feel so certain of your being. I am very much in my female body and I fully, fully take that, you know, I own that as mine. Um, and so when someone questions that it becomes embarrassing, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Because you're like, no, I, I know who I am. This is who I am. Um, which makes it a little bit harder. I hear you. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Right. I mean, um, it's actually gotten to the point where, like, I don't know uh, if I have a female body. I mean, this is something I've been talking about so much on the podcast in, like, the last couple of years. Like, I know I'm, I am getting more comfortable with my body. And I have been working on that journey for a long time. Uh, but yesterday I had like a huge win. Can I tell you about it? Yes, My please. massive win. It was such a fucking win. I've been taking hot yoga classes. And um, the place I've been taking them has like actually kind of nice showers. And since there are nice showers there, you're truly a disgusting person if you leave without showering. And people do. But what is wrong with those people? Because that is, you are, the whole point of hot yoga is like uh, an amount of sweat exits your body that if you drive home like that you are ruining your car like yes. or whatever lift you get in like you're you are destroying someone's livelihood you are disgusting so i've been showering at the place and um i yesterday truly just yesterday uh a real yesterday because i never am, i'm never talking about six months ago um i walked out of the shower and like i had the towel and i just was like i do not feel called to like put this in my mouth and sort of drape it over my body in a in an interesting way or like tuck it under my arms real tight while I like slide my undies. Uh, I just felt like, you know what? I want to put some like lotion on my legs and I need to get, and I'm wet and I'm just going to be naked. <laughs> and yes. I actually haven't had that experience ever in my life where I just felt like, you know, um, and it is, it is from being questioned and like patrolled and like monitored and from being, you know, misperceived or whatever it is. And it's also from like, then being like, I don't even know like what this body is, but it's mine, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of times I've had a ton of complicated feelings about being, um, about showing my body. Yeah. I, I, I was the kid that grew up with like, you know, all your friends are like getting ready and like whatever. And I would go into the bathroom and I would like go away. Yeah. And I don't know how much of that I'd have to really unpack that through therapy, I think, but like figure out how much of that was directly correlated. And because of, um, the fact that I was very much gay and I've always known it. Yeah. Um, or if it's just because I'm just a little bit of a private person and I'm just relatively honestly, just horribly insecure, just like life in general, Mm. anxious, insecure, all the things I am. Um, And I still, to this day, sometimes I walk around like my wife, I've been fully married and we've been together for like five years and I'll walk around and she said, Chris, like she always gives me a hard time because she's like, why are you like, why are you slouching? Like I'll walk past her, like just with like no shirt and I'll kind of subconsciously roll my shoulders in to hide myself. Yeah, And she's like, Kristen, like, like, you know, being my most amazing wife, you're beautiful. Like, you know, stand up straight, like own this body of yours and all this stuff. So she's been trying to teach me 
how to fully step into my, my body and being yeah. comfortable with it, even showing it with the person that I trust the most. It's just, but in, the, but totally. in, in the other way, it's like not to get whatever, but like when it comes to the things that you do, when you have sex with your partner, Ooh, that's, yes. a, that's a whole different, like I'm the shyness goes away there. It's just like when I walk around, just Me like too, baby. The of the shower. <laughs> <laughs> it's because it's a, for me anyway. It's like a position of like power or connection, sure. like as opposed to just being out in the world and like vulnerable to. I mean, it is vulnerable, but it's it's different. It's different. Like there's yeah. like permission and mm-hmm. chemicals. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I mean. Totally. It's an interesting, complicated relationship that, yeah. that, you know, I think a lot of people have with their bodies, not totally. just queer community, but just people in general. Like, I would love to, I don't know if I know a friend that has never once referenced the fact that they don't like something about their body. Right? Totally. I hear you. I mean, well, for me, I will say, yeah, like, as, a, as I, I'm like, yeah, absolutely. but you know what? Brawless is actually still an issue for me sometimes in sex, because it's just mm-hmm. like, there, um, there's a incongruency between for me that I'm still working out between like the body that I have, which is more of like a, like there's like some curviness to it. And then the way I like style my body, by which I mean, I fucking work the shit. I work out all the time to have like giant (laughs) arms and like, so I don't just mean clothes. I mean like the other stuff. And, um, so that is still a challenge for me. Oh my God. Okay. Do you want to get back to food? Cause I do, but I love okay. the conversation we're having. <laughs> I don't, I don't care. I'll you talk about care? anything. Okay, no, great. food is, food is a part of my life. It is not all my life. Well, if we're talking about bodies, we're also talking about eating. Like that's mm-hmm. true, you know? So I guess my question is, um, I have a complicated relationship with food because mm. of some of the body stuff that I have going on. Um, and I'm just curious for you, like, what does food feel like? Does it feel like freedom? Does it feel like creativity? Does it feel like a burden? Does it feel interest? Like what, can you talk a little bit about mm. that? Food at five years old was my confidence. Food, like I loved eating food. It brought me joy. I loved cooking with my grandmother. I loved making box mac and cheese at home. Like it wasn't always fancy, but it was something that I realized being this kid that was struggling with their identity is like, oh, but I can own this and I can be good at doing this. And so for me at first, food was purely and cooking was purely this this thing of saying, okay, well, I feel uncomfortable in 99% of my life, but maybe in this arena, I I can be good at it. And so that's kind of like what started this journey of, of wanting to become a cook and a chef. But like, I never held on to, like, I wanted to be a secretary and a marine biologist when I was a kid. And I held on to that for a very long time until someone in high school, a teacher said, well, you know, like that stuff is kind of hard, like the marine biology and science and math that I was failing out of. And I was like, mm, yeah, you're right. So, um, I, I never realized it could be a career or a thing for me until yeah. my mom was like, culinary school, you've always loved cooking. But food in general for me has always been joy. And oh, so the that. best way I can explain this is when I eat, I mean, some would argue that I eat like absolute garbage and you know junk food, which I do 80% of the time. Um, but like when I'm working, I, I don't like the idea of having to eat breakfast and lunch and then dinner, because then like, I'm like wasting my appetite on three meals. When if I'm working, I'll wait till my day is done and fully enjoy the meal that I'm having and completely like buffet style it out. So Mm. I I am notorious for going to restaurants and ordering the entire menu. Mm. Um, I love trying and eating as much as I can in one setting. Now that's its own, some would argue, a complicated relationship with food, like Kristen, why are you starving yourself until that final meal? And it's not about that. It's just that some people eat for sustenance and live, like staying alive, and some people eat for joy. And that's just my way of mm. describing that I fully eat for joy. Mm. Like, I don't, I'm like, I know I should eat breakfast, but I'm like, no, but I have that dinner tonight, you know? But I also wow. eat dinner at 5 p.m. So, 
you know, it's a late lunch. <laughs> well, number one, I eat dinner at 5 p.m. I fucking love a 5 p.m. dinner. And uh, number two, yeah, breakfast is also good. Just, you know what, if you ever, if you ever get around to it, but you don't have to. <laughs> but if you ever get around to it, we can talk about like, you know, some stuff. But, that... but I will say it like all growing up, I was questioned if I had an eating disorder. Mm. And it's because I have always been very, very tall for my age, especially when I was a kid and very, very thin. And maybe I can credit it to my Asian genes, my metabolism, whatever. Things could hit, hit, hit the fan when, as soon as I hit 40. I don't know. But it's just always, it's like my natural state of being. And it was a hard thing to also have to defend that along with the fact that I liked girls. Like, so as a kid, I'm like carrying these two things. I'm like, what do you guys want? And so when I would, I went to therapy because my mom was like, oh my God, does she have an eating disorder? And I'm like, mom, like I couldn't tell her because owning Owning that for me was easier than owning the fact that I was gay. So I was like, just if it if it stays away from the fact that I'm gay and I don't have to admit that, think about you know, assume whatever you want to assume. I don't care as long mm. as I don't have to be gay for you right now. Oh my god, I have so many follow ups to that. Um, but what was the first one? Oh my god, you just said something so casually just now. What the fuck was I gonna ask you? Um, <laughs> wait. <clears throat> Well, I want I guess I want to say, oh, there's so many different things. But the first question I want to ask you is, what is the food you grew up eating? Because I know you said box mac and cheese, but like, yeah. what is the food you grew up eating? Um, mm, it was home cooking, um, not super fancy. It was like my dad would grill and my mom would throw baked potatoes in the oven. We'd have like sour cream and dried chives and, you know, canned green beans. And I grew up with like green bean casserole mm -hmm. and stovetop stuffing, uh, rice aroni, you know, things that were also convenient. And then my grandmother would teach me how to make these like beautiful stuffed cabbage rolls and cookies and different things like that. So it was a nice mix of, of that. But I will say the easiest way I can maybe describe it is just comfort. It's Midwestern comfort food, casseroles, yeah. things like that. Because you're from, you're from the Midwest or you grew up in the am. Midwest. I, correct. And then also were adopted. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so I, the reason I want to bring that up is that I would imagine like, especially today that the contrast, I would assume, correct me if I'm wrong, that people um, imagine a food that you grew up with that's yes. different yes. than what we're talking about, yep. especially in like chefdom and then with the like sort of new popularity of like white people who live in cities should eat other food if they want to you know like steak right. is fine but w what about a different kind of beef or a yeah. different you know like whatever it is so it, i yeah. feel like we're like in this zone where there might be some assumptions that's a thousand percent and i've been i've i've fielded those a lot of my life, especially going into my professional career. Cause you know, I, I remember this, this car ride, I was in Austin and this, the driver said, you oh, know, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm a chef, you know, literally as we're driving to my restaurant. Um, and I'm like, yeah, I'm a chef. And he's like, Oh, what kind of food do you cook? And I was like, God, I love anything. Like I love to make everything. Um, I love things that feel like comfort to me. And I just kind of like give it a blank. And he's like, Oh, well, like what? And I'm like, well, I really like, you know, making homemade pastas and different things like that. I grew up making a lot of pastas in my professional career um, from my mentor. And he was like, oh, like ramen? And I was like, mm-mm. I sunk in my seat and I'm like, God oh. damn it. And I'm like, no, first of all, jackass, that's from Japan, I'm Korean. But also like, no. However, that happened, I don't know, five years ago. The way I'm looking at it now is because I've had a complicated relationship with owning my Koreanness and my Korean culture um, and not feeling bad about saying it's mine too. And so what he taught me, and I've, I've kind of retold re myself the story, but with a different reaction that I had and not being offended by it. The way I look at it is like people own and place Korean culture on me. Why can't I own it myself? Why am I having such a hard time saying I'm allowed to be this and I'm allowed to cook Korean food any which way I want, even though I didn't grow up having it and I don't know anything about it really. Um, and so what he taught me was the fact that like, if other people are going to own it for me, I better own it for myself too. Uh, and so therefore I've started experimenting and cooking with like 
Korean food and putting my own spin on Korean Midwestern classics and just mm-hmm. having a little bit more fun with it. Um, so, I mean, is is jarring and ick as, as it was in that moment. Um, it actually really taught me quite a lot. Wow, that's very interesting. Yeah, I mean, my dad's adopted and um, adopted by a family that like actually share racial heritage and like he was he, like had an Italian American mom. And then he was adopted by Italian American people. Mm-hmm. And so um that part of the what some of you know, a lot of what you're describing, like mm-hmm. on racial lines and then like owning a different identity, um, then doesn't totally apply. But I've even watched him try to understand the like his placement in mm-hmm. um the world, like which cause it, he found out who his mom was when he was 50 in his fifties. And Mm. so like had information about where he was from that he had never had before, like even geographically or the kind of family that, Mm -hmm. that this woman who gave birth to him, um, grew up in. And yeah, I mean, that was just like a lot, it was a lot to watch him try to understand. So I can just say that from, an outside perspective somebody who's seen some of what you're talking about yeah um seems super it's, complicated. It's, it, it is and it's something that i will probably try to wrap my head around and grapple for the rest of my life and that's okay it's just it's part of my everyday right every single day i'm trying to work on something and that just is like <laughs> in the top five things you know and it's just gonna be what it's gonna be um but i'm i'm far less offended when someone assumes something about me in that way mm-hmm. i'm like you know what yeah it's it's a it's a valid assumption it's okay i me- i i know you meant no harm by it um so it's fine yeah. on the other hand the assholes that call me sir that's a whole nother <laughs> I, that, that, i'm still offended i'm still offended by that <laughs> yeah i mean that's i think that's a lot of what i'm hearing is like a complicated relationship between like the way you're perceived in the world and the way mm-hmm. that you perceive yourself um and so then again that's actually also really interesting with the like job you chose because it's you you chose a job where like something else speaks for you um Mm -hmm. you know where like you're not introducing yourself to every table or you're not like you're presenting a thing that's you that's your expression i actually relate to that in some ways because as a comic like the person who's on stage like that's not me i mean i guess Mm -hmm. it's me it's my body and like words i've written um, but it's for consumption. It's for presentation. It's like an avatar of me mm-hmm. is how I think mm-hmm. about it. Um, and I, anyway, I don't, I don't know if that's your relationship to the dishes you're presenting, but it's certainly my relationship to my art that I chose where it's like, I feel like I'm so complicated for people to understand. I feel like I'm walking through the world having to do a lot of explaining, but here's this thing, this like context where like I get to control how people see me. Mm-hmm. I get yeah. to like um really present this thing that I've thought about and it's like not about them. It's about me. Yeah. And it's almost like we, we think about chefs and in and you know, would you say comic? You just call it a comic or comedian? Or? Yeah, I use the word okay. comic because it specifically comic. denotes stand-up. Got it. Which okay. I have a lot of Noted. pride about. Comedians can be um I'm also a comedian, but comedian, that's like a, the umbrella term. Got and it. I'm this okay. specific one. Got it. So very much like you being a comic and me being a chef, it's like this idea. We are always praised on our vulnerability, right? Oh, you get out there and you do it and you mm. give them a piece of you and you do all this mm-hmm. stuff. But as you were saying that, I was like, it's actually, it is, it is a vulnerable place to sit, but it is, I'm giving you exactly what I want exactly, to give you. Exactly. Yeah. So it's actually creating a divide and, and it's not vulnerable removing. at all. I know people yeah. say that to me too. And I'm like, Oh, you are misperceiving this. Like this yeah. is the opposite. I'm working on vulnerability in my real life, but this mm-hmm. thing, this is a fucking bulletproof vest. Like that's yes. what this is. <laughs> it is a barrier to entry. Yeah, and if we yeah, don't yeah. want people to get close to us, yeah. we're just gonna present them with what we do. Yeah. And it's it is it is an expression. You're right. And it's a, an expression and a very specific part of who we are, not actually who we are. Oof. Right. When did you know that about being a chef? Is that the whole time? No, this is just kind of all clicking as we're talking. Ah, I'm like, oh, cool. I'm good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's 
stick with me. Stick with me, kid. I We're in about, therapy now. Yeah, I think about everything in like a very brook. Br- I'm like very, yo, I mean, I can't. <laughs> I'm funny, it's, I guess, but you know, more I'm deadly serious. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it's like, I'm, I'm thinking about the food that I create and it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a part of me. Yeah. You, know, you can taste the love. You can do all this stuff. And it's how I give to you. And maybe I constantly want to give people that experience so that it takes away the attention from actually having to give me fuck. Yes. <laughs> well, so this is, yeah, I mean, I can just tell you very quickly my journey with this, um, which is like five years ago, I went through divorce and I was talking about it on stage. And I realized that for the first time in my life, I didn't really want to be talking about it on stage. Like I wanted to be telling somebody interpersonally because it was like so raw. And I just, I actually felt like almost like it was like almost dangerous for the audience to be to be it was dangerous for my for me psychologically that they were laughing at the, mm-hmm. the stuff I was talking about because I'm very good at my job so I could manipulate that but I was like oh no I this is a nightmare like what I've created for myself the like way I connect with people undercuts some of my own ability to feel and communicate and mm-hmm. so when I realized that I sort of I mean not sort of I made some massive changes in my life around like the way that I share like I don't I have a rule for myself I don't talk about anything on stage I haven't told somebody interpersonally that cares about me and I just like started to really um re- like use that as an artistic expression and not a um survival skill and that has mm. been a really big change for me um and I love to hear you talking about it too because like but do you but do you yeah. but I have a question yes. though so do you, how different are you like in your real life? Cause you said it earlier, uh-huh. like I'm who I'm on stage and then who I am in real mm-hmm. life are kind of two different people, yeah. but what, what are the things that make that different? Like oh, for you, yeah, that's, not maybe the, not the perception, but like what you think. Such a good question. Um, I mean, on stage, I feel a pressure to be very clean i don't mean like language or i mean clean tight mm-hmm. um you know i'm very loose in my body and like with my expression and stuff but what i mean is i want to i want to control how i'm perceived yeah and the way that i do that is through precision even though i work shit out on stage and i'm constantly experimenting the skill set behind that is honed precision so i mean Mm -hmm. what i'm saying in this very different way and what i'm working on is like some more um some of the messiness you know showing up in my personal life like i'm going through a bit of a hard time right now and last night one of my friends picked me up to take me to like an event and five years ago first of all never would have gotten in somebody else's fucking car drove myself everywhere (laughs) What, do you, what, what? I'm going to ask you for something? Fuck. Then we picked up another one of my friends and I asked her, she came out of her house and I was like, do you have a snack? And she went back in her house and she got me a banana and <laughs> like a cliff bar. Because I like needed, I needed to be picked up and yeah. I needed a snack. Yeah. And on stage, I will ask for nothing. I would never, you know, want to be accommodated. I wouldn't even show that mm-hmm. part of myself that needs anything. So what I'm working on in my real life is like showing that I'm mean, just a human being. <laughs> yeah. Like I need like snacks and I need mean, sometimes I don't want to Asking for what you need and especially from the people that love and care for you the most. Yeah, exactly. The safest place to ask for something. Oh God, is it? I mean, it is. to me that's it is. like, uh. also, no, because also if they're like, don't give it to you, like what's the best way to, and most efficient way to weed out garbage people in your life? <gasps> right the there. People who won't give See you snacks. See you later. Snacks? See you fucking later. Yeah. I asked for a you, snack and you said no. So honestly, delete my number. <laughs> right. If someone doesn't give you a snack, what kind of friend are they? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I really need to screw them. Just then. Uh, <laughs> but what's interesting is like, I, I said this recently and I, I, who I am as a chef and when I come to your table and I do these things or I, you know, go on television, they're all parts of me, right? A yeah. thousand percent. The baseline of me though, would be someone that probably never leaves the house. Mm. And my baseline, because the anxiety and just like 
the the fear of being judged mm-hmm. or judging myself so harshly yeah. and all these different like social anxieties that I have I wouldn't leave the house. Yeah. However, what I realized is that for a long time I tried to get rid of them and I was like we got to fix this, right? Therapy. Let's fix this. Let's get rid of this so you can be the best version of yourself, blah blah blah. When in fact that was fueling the anxiety 10 times worse than what it actually was. And so as soon as I kind of stopped putting that pressure on me and I said, you know what? We're just going to try to figure out how to coexist together. Me mm. and all these neuroses over here, we're going to be friends. They're not going to go away. I don't want to hide them. And I'm going to, in fact, bring them front and center. And I'm going to yes. say, this is what it is. So like, I have no problem talking about it. And in fact, I've, I've realized that my job is not pushing them down or ignoring them. It's saying in this moment, my job is um, my anxieties, my worries, my insecurities just come second to someone else's pleasure mm. just for my job. And that's okay. So it can ride right below where I act like who I actually am and the fears that I have. Yes. And I was like, okay, so like, that's how we're going to play this together. I love that. It's not getting rid of all this shit. So like in the moment when you're like, I don't, I, I don't want to ask for anything. I, I really don't. Yeah. But in, in a lot of ways, um, when you ignore that, that's fine in one part of your life because I don't believe that you need to like fix no, all that. 100%. We are not broken humans, but like in the moments with your friends and like when you were in the car, like just doing it every now and again and putting yourself first is just like, God damn it. Yes, I did. Yeah. I asked for my snack. Totally. And that's cool. Yeah. But then also not giving yourself a hard time for not asking about it when you're like on stage and where you really feel like I don't want to do it. Totally. It's also okay. Yes. A hundred percent. The audience should not give me a snack. I have a rider and I actually have snacks backstage. <laughs> so I said, don't give, don't bring me a snack. I'm good. But you know, yeah, you're right. I love that. I have this friend who like lives at a Zen center and I was talking to him this week and he, wait, sorry, it doesn't matter. I have a lot of, okay. different, it's, there's a lot of people in my life who are different. I want to go to a Zen center. Yeah. You can yes. come with me. I'm going to go, I'm okay. going to go, uh, do some meditation with him. We'll go, let's go. We'll go together. Um, but yeah. I have this friend who lives at a Zen center and he was saying, Similar to what you're saying, he was like, when the thing is, when the like fucked up feeling, the upset feeling, you know, comes to me, I have been encouraged to invite it. This is so funny. It's like all he was like, I've been encouraged to invite it in, make it comfortable, ask it if it needs a snack. So it's my point is snacks are like such a big part of what we're talking about, just in general. (laughs) I want to. Okay, here's here's a question I have for you um, that I want to make sure to get to which is, okay, so we're talking about all this presentation, you know, who can you, can you describe to me, and it doesn't have to be the only one, but like a dish that you serve or that you've made that does feel like this expression of you. Like, can you talk me through that thing? So, you know, a lot of times I, I cook for other people. I always cook for other people. I don't cook for myself. I'll order takeout or eat like crudite or something but cooking for myself brings me no joy. And so when I think of the dishes that define me and the ones that I find to be successful is driven off the fact of someone else has deemed it to be successful, right? So the bigger picture, like the, the, the big generic answer is saying the dishes that define me the most and the ones that I'm most proud of are the ones that people love and come Ooh. back for the most, uh-huh. right? Cause that's, I'm servicing someone else. Um, on my menu, I will say the one dish that has stuck around, there's been three dishes that will never leave since 2018. And the main one that sells out or not sells out, sells the most is, um, a house-made muffledini pasta with a champignon sauce, which is a fancy mushroom term. Um, but I came up with that dish because it was my version of like a souped up hamburger helper. And I'm like, you guys are all falling for this. But what it taught me is that comfort is what people come back for. Comfort is what people want. And even if you've never had hamburger helper, I'm sure you've had some form of creamy, umami laden sauce over pasta, right? Yes, or, and I've also had a hamburger helper. So delicious. delicious. <laughs> yeah. It's salty and all. I was just gonna say that. salt. Like that's it right there. Yeah. But like in a good way. <laughs> yeah. And if that's one way to connect to people that I may never meet is giving them one flavor that's like, mm, that reminds me of something that I used to have that I really love that brought me comfort. That's a win. And those are the dishes that I feel proud 
to be the most proud of oh, that define me because yeah. it's it connected with somebody else. Well, that's extremely beautiful. And I'm aware of your time and we sort of like just not too much left. Um, and I want to just say, or I want to ask you the question I ask everybody who's on the show, mm-hmm. um, which is to shout out a queero. That's a person, place or thing that made you feel like you could be who you are today. Would mm-hmm. you like to shout out a queero? Yes. I mean, there's so many. All, I mean, you're now on my list. Name there are all so of many. Each individual person will say. <laughs> <laughs> um, the woman that that taught me so much about my culinary abilities and personally is Chef Barbara Lynch, mm. and I worked for her for four years in Boston. She was the very first person I told that I was gay, and then oh I had a girlfriend, God. and I wanted her to meet her. And she herself is also gay. Um, also coming out roughly ish at the same time and she's you know 20 ish years older than i am um and so she's going through this journey so to have someone that i looked up so so deeply to as a mentor as a chef to then meet me on that same level as a personal connection i was like okay this is just like this is everything i needed right here right now um and she impacted my life in more ways than i can even say oh my god this is so awesome you know, I, my first boss after college, I had like two jobs right after college. I had I worked in, I worked professionally as a comp, as a comedian, not a comic yet mm-hmm. and professional improviser right away, day after school. But I also, for some reason, cause like you, I didn't know that was a real job, even though I right. had a job. I also worked a completely second job. So I worked 80 hours a week uh, <laughs> at a school. I worked at a school also. <laughs> and my boss at the school I was so nervous to come out to her, but she, for some reason, she always like, she took a real interest in me. She would come see me do shows. One time she let me drive her car. She drove like a BMW convertible and I like had to go somewhere. She's like, just take my car, like tossing me the keys. And I was like, I don't think you should do this, but okay. <laughs> you know, like this is, this is not, I don't, this is not right. Uh, but I, I started dating one of my coworkers and that was like a no, no. So I actually yeah. had to disclose it to her, um, like professionally. And I remember the moment where like, I was sitting there and I was sweating so much. And I was like, I'm dating this other person as I'm gay. And she was like, <laughs> this is a real thing that happened in my life. She was like, I'm also gay and I'm also dating somebody who works here. And I was like, you're fucking kidding. Like, it's just was the best. And I still know her. Um, That's amazing. And that's, that, that's all like, again, just like maybe bringing comfort in food is also comfort in humans of finding <gasps> that relatability that Aww. just brings you together, that makes you feel like <sighs> you Aww. feel seen, you feel heard, you feel comforted, and you feel like you can ask for snacks. Okay. Well, you are an utter delight. I'm so happy for you about your show. I can't wait to watch the other Thank you. episodes. Thank can't you. wait for us to be real friends. Can't wait.